I'm going to pray before we get started. We're going to be in Genesis 15, and then we'll get going through here. So, um, Father God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you that we can gather in this um, manner, um, even though it's not the way that we would desire, but we know that um, you are the author of all and that um, this is in your plan. So we just thank you for this. Thank you for the ability to do this. Father, um, especially right now as we go through, we open up your word. Father, help us that, that we would understand it, that we would, that, that our hearts would be open, that um, your spirit would work. Father, help if there's anything that is said amiss that's not true, that it would be removed and um, not remembered. So, Father, just remove all distractions so that we can see you and see you only. We love you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to turn to, we're going to be in Galatians, or Galatians, sorry. We are thinking of Galatians. Jason just mentioned that, but um, Genesis 15. And we've been going through the book of Genesis. And I just want to say this, that what's the first part of Genesis? It says, in the beginning, God. And then it goes on. And so... For a long period of my life, I looked at the Old Testament as one type of God, and then I looked at the New Testament as another type of God, and I focused on the New Testament. And in the last 10 years, it's been um, amazing as we go through different books of the Old Testament that we can see, when we, when we study the Old Testament, we see there is no difference. There's no difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's the same God. The same God had the same plan. He didn't come out and say, I'm going to do it this way and we're going to create all this, all these things and we're and I'm going to require people to do this. So and then, oh, they messed up. Now I got to do something else. No, he had this plan because in order to understand his plan, he had to show us how we cannot do anything that will gain our salvation. It's no different than we don't know what light is if we don't know what darkness is. So there's all these things. I don't want to get in. We could go on and on with that kind of thing. But I just want to, the thing I want you to remember is, is this God that we serve is the same throughout Scripture. So we're going to talk about Genesis 15. And I've got a title as God's Covenant with Man. We're going to break it down into three things. We're going to talk about in verses one through three. We're going to go through grace alone. And um, verses four through six, we're going to go through how it's faith alone. And we're going to see in seven through 21 how it's Christ alone. And so it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I want to start reading. First, I want to just read a few verses in Ephesians, though, before we start into Genesis, because it'll help us understand our Genesis better. So, Ephesians 2, if you want to follow along, if you want to turn there, I should have told you earlier, um, starting in verse 1, 
It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God... Rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which prepared beforehand that we, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, now, if you would, I'm having you jump all around. We're going to go to Genesis 15, and we're going to stay there for the most part. Um, so, if you would, turn with me to Genesis 15. We're just going to break it down. Um, we may do a verse at a time, or sometimes a few verses at a time. Starts out in verses 1 through 3. And this is where we have the title, Grace Alone. Now, Grace if this is something new to you, is simply God's unmerited favor to us. It's just what he wants to do. It's what it's who he is. So verse one, um, verse one, and I broke that verse actually in half. So we're going to read, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, said, fear not, Abram. And we're going to stop there for a minute. Why was Abram afraid? So, if we think back over the last several weeks of going through this, Abram has just defeated the kings and he rescued his nephew Lot from the kings. If you remember, or last week there was four kings that fought against five kings and... Um, one of the kings was from Sodom, which is where Lot was from. And so once Abram heard, then he went out and, uh, he, and he rescued them. He, he rescued Lot, he rescued the kings, he rescued the people. And so he may have been fe fearful of retaliation um, from the kings um, is, is one possibility why Abram was afraid. There's other possibilities that he was afraid um, because... Think back, he, uh, he was called out with his father. He was called out with his father and his family out of the land of Ur, the Chaldeans. And so they went out and they go to Egypt. They do all these back and forth things. And, but what I want to think about is, is he, at one point, it says that his household and lots was so great that the land couldn't sustain it. And so... He ends up going through and, and saying, um, 
Lot choose wherever you want. And Lot chooses the lush green pastures. And Abram, because Abram knows God, God had promised him a promise. But no doubt, there could have been a question after that in his mind. If he's like any of the rest of us, it might have been like, well, I know this is what God wants me to do. And I know this is the right thing. But, eh, you know, God didn't really say, you go here and you go here. And I decided to choose what I thought was right. So sometimes we question what maybe even doing the right thing, we still might question. Like he had just rescued, and then we, or we move on to this last chapter, 14, where he had just rescued Lot. And so the king of Sodom and the ones that he had helped said, hey, you know, basically, it, he would have been entitled to keep all the plunders of war. And he chose not to. And so maybe he was questioning that. There's a lot of possibilities of why God, but that why God says, fear not Abram. But the main thing is, is that God knew that there was fear in Abram's heart. And so just like he knew there was fear in Abram's heart, he knows there's fear in our heart. Um, so I want to ask, you know, why, why, why are you afraid? Why are we afraid right now? And so it may be different. There's Everybody's got different reasons. We have multiple fears. I'll share with you real quick. One of the fears that I've had over the last several weeks that God has revealed to me through this was I thought that I, I, I want things to, I want my life to look the way that I expected it to look. I want to raise a family just like Lot. I want to grow old and see my children and grandchildren grow up. I want to see all these things. Yes, I look forward to being in heaven with him forever, but too often I look for, I think, well, yeah, that's great, but I kind of want to do these other things first. And, you know, I got to thinking, I've got some of you know, the ones that know me know that um, I've got a little granddaughter and That pause might have been in the live stream or maybe not. You choose to decide. But anyway, little granddaughter, she's amazing. I want to see her grow up. And God showed me, he's like, do you want to see her grow up and see your life the way you expect it more than you want to be with me? So that's just me. I encourage all of you to ask God, say, God, show me, show me my fears. So we tend to trust in things like possessions or land or family. Maybe it's our job. Maybe right now where you don't have a job. Um, we trust in our freedom. We you know, there's a lot, a lot of people right now and I'm one included. I'm not exempt from, I'm like, hey, some of the things going around, this is my right. Well, am I trusting in that? Because if my trust is in my right, I have fear. So maybe we've done the right thing. Maybe we've, maybe we've made some tough choices and we knew that this is what God wanted us to do, but now we're questioning ourselves. So the point is that we all have various fears and that he desires to calm them. So let's see how he calms the fears, the fears of Abram and how it will relate to us. So the next part of verse one, 
And I promise you, we won't break every verse into um, split it in half, or we'll be here till tomorrow. So, second half of verse one, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Another translation, and I kind of like the way it translates it, maybe a little bit better. Um, it says, your exceedingly great reward. So you could read it, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So therefore, you can't, the, the reward he is talking about is himself. God himself is exceedingly great reward. So what is, so why, or, the re, or why does God say fear not right before that? And, it's, he is, and, and when he says fear not, that's the loving thing about, that's the great thing about God. When he says things like this to someone that is listening and wants to know, he answers the reasons. He doesn't say, because I said so. He says, I am your shield and your protector. That's why. That's why we don't fear. So, no doubt Abram could look back. He could look back and see, you know, the provisions God had made in Egypt, you know, with even though he had lied, he was, so his life was, he had lied to Pharaoh about Sarah being his sister instead of his wife. Um, his life and his family was sustained. They had food. They left Egypt with great possessions. Um, he can look back and see that even though Lot took the best pastures that God provided for him that way, he could look back and say, um, wow, I took 318 men, servants of my own household and defeated the kings. And he's like, I didn't do this. God did it. God, so, so it's really a good thing. It's very comforting for us to be reminded of past protection for today and tomorrow. And we need to remind each other of that. So it's a constant thing. God is just simply reminding Abram here. He's saying, fear not, I am your shield and your protection. It also builds faith to hear truth from and about God when it comes from God or maybe it's God working through someone else and sharing that. So it goes on, it says, I am not only your shield and protection, I am your exceedingly great reward. This is God's grace. It's his unmerited favor towards us. He says, I am what you need. Him alone. Everything that we have is from him. We take credit for so many things. We think we deserve so many things. The only thing that we deserve is separation from him. But he, he likes us better than that. That's why we were made. He wants us reconciled. He started this from the beginning. This is the same God. This is the same Jesus. This is all the same. So I'm sure this was confusing though to hear for Abram because, you know, he said like, okay, I understand the shield protection part, um, but God, you say, I am your exceedingly great reward. What, what does this mean? Because usually rewards, we know rewards are, or what we think rewards are given by something that is earned. Like we, we've done something so that we, we work, so we get paid. We do this, so this happens. Um, so it was probably somewhat confusing. He didn't really understand at the time. Um, 
he was, I'm sure he was comforted, but yet puzzled because he was thinking that his, his reward was what God had pre, prior promised him was a land and an offspring, a promised land and offspring. That's what he was focused on. He was focused on what God gives. He was focused on the gift and not the giver. So, um, which is understandable. We do the same thing. Um, nothing, nothing satisfies except for God. And so I just want to remind ourselves, like how many times do we look elsewhere for our reward or fulfillment? Um, and it's not until he reveals himself that we can see him for who he is. And we often forget, just like Abram. Abram, as we see, he's a man of great faith, but yet we also see times in his life where he fails, fails miserably. Um, we fail quite miserably. So I, I want to read a few things here, and then we'll move on just to remind us of who he is and why he is our exceedingly great reward, why he was Abram's great reward. Jesus says in John, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So, how many times do we try to get bread from other things? How many times do we hunger for other things, but yet we're never satisfied? So, um, He's the only source of that. He goes on to say, then I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and find, go in and out and find pasture. So we'll, we'll be, we'll, we'll be supplied with what, it, what we need. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So he then goes on and says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I'd love to comment on these, but I'm just going to keep reading them. And I encourage you to expand out. There's my mind tends to want to go off on different thoughts. So he then goes on and says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So moving on to verse 2. We're going to read verse 2 and 3, Genesis 15. O oh Lord God, this is Abram speaking, he says, what will you give me after he was just promised a great reward? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Hmm. So, sounds like he didn't really catch what God was saying, and that's okay, because we don't usually catch what he's saying right away either. And, uh, but this loving God father, he, he explains it all. So we'll see that. Abram seems to be saying, but, but, um, 
that's good. Like, thanks, you know, thanks for the protection and thanks for what you just said. But, you know, I, I still kind of want more. He wasn't seeing the picture yet. The other thing we want to think of too is that this was a perfectly lawful thing for Abram to consider of him saying my servant, um, Eliezer, his household servant was probably his highest up servant would be his heir of the household. That was a common practice. So it wasn't like he was saying, um, you know, something that was off the wall. This was something that was like, well, God, uh, I hear what your promise. And since it's been, you know, at least 10 years or so since you promised me this and nothing's happened, then well, maybe I'm supposed to make this happen. And we wrestle with that ourselves, don't we? I mean, so many times we feel like God is calling us to something, to do something. And then all of a sudden it just feels like nothing's happening. I feel like doors are opening wide and then there's nothing happening. Sometimes we do have to step out in faith, but sometimes we also um, try to make things happen on our own. Um, God had promised Abram two times prior to this that he would have offspring. So, you know, it seems pretty understandable, but how often Abram forgets, how often we forget. Uh, I'm just thankful that God is one of them gods, is not one of them gods, that God is the God. And he doesn't say things like, don't make me count to three. Like, if okay, I've done told you this, so that's it. No, he's, he, he, wants, to, he wants to hear what Abram wants, wants to say. Um, we often do the same. I'll just share real quick. Um, we, I think it's good to share instances in our lives when God moves and God works in our life. So prior to living here, lived in Georgia um, for about 10 years. And I was in construction, so I was working on houses for people, doing stuff. We had just built a house for Carla and I and the kids and was just almost finished when the opportunity came to move back up here because I was raised and born here. And so we wrestled with what's the right thing to do? What's the right thing? We cried out to God for a year and said, man, God, what do you want us to do? And we felt like there was not direction. We just couldn't understand what we finally, we said, okay, we feel like God, we feel like we, we feel like we need to move, move back to Ohio. So we just finished this new house that I planned on living in all my life. And so what happens then is I said, well, I'm stubborn. I didn't say that. Um, that's just, I'm, I'm just stubborn. But anyway, I was like, I'm not getting a realtor because I'm not letting them take 7% of what I just worked on. And I'm going to make up flyers and I'm going to put them in places of business in town. I'm going to sell this house. And we're not moving to Ohio until the house sells. Well, this took about six months and a few people looked and it still wasn't selling. And finally we had set a date to move and it wasn't sold yet. And it was about three weeks before we moved. And I finally just threw up my hands. I cried out to God and was like, God, I'm done. I, 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 I can't do like, I'm not going to be able to do this. We'll move and then we'll cut, we'll come back and close whenever the house sells. Do you know at that moment, 
I can't remember the exact days, but it wasn't more than it wasn't more than two or three days. No more than three days from the time that I said, I'm done, it's not gonna sell before we move. We got a call from a couple from Atlanta that was driving by. They had the cash money. We didn't have to wait on a closing because I was like, three weeks, there's no way you know somebody wants it. No, they had everything. We closed on the house two days before we moved. And all along, God was like, I got this, but I'm going to lead you through this because I want you to see that all things come from me and you may try to do my work, but it's not going to work. So that's what he's saying here um, with Abram. So we move to verses four through six, and this is where the part of faith alone comes in. Faith alone meaning nothing is added of ourselves. It's, it's nothing of our own doing. Um, verse four says, and behold, the, the word of the Lord came to him after Abram had just said this about his servant. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Wow, what a wonderful, loving God we have. He says that you may want to try and make my promises happen, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to make them happen in a way that's impossible to man so that God gets all the glory. So he, he had to wait until he wanted to make sure that Abram knew that this was a total gift from God. So then it moves on, verse 5, and it says, And God brought Abram outside and says, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able. Sorry, I lost my spot. If you're able to number them. Then God said to Abram, So shall your offspring be. And God shows Abram that the number of his descendants physically and spiritually would be astronomical. Now, that's kind of a play on words because of the astronomy of the stars, but um, it's my lame, my lame dad joke going in there. But God uses his creation to remind us himself and his promise, uh, and of himself and his promises. Um, we have rainbows, remind us of promises of him. We have the stars. We are part of the promise. Um, Genesis 12, where it goes and says that when he's given the promise to Abraham, says that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God also says in Galatians, Paul says in Galatians 3, 2, that if you are Christ, then you are Abram's offspring, heirs according to promise. So in moving on to verse 6, and Abram believed the Lord and God count, counted, or we could say it is credited or is reckoned or imputed. Those are all right words to use in that um, to Abram is righteousness. Basically, it's me and we have, we have debits and credits in accounting. And so the debits are on one side and they're the, all, the, all, the neg all the bills that go out and everything negative. And God takes the belief that he instilled into Abram's heart through the work of the Spirit that the righteousness of God was credited. It wipes out all of the debits of Abram. This is the most important verse of this chapter um, because Abram believes what God said and is justified, meaning he's made righteous or in right standing before God. 
Paul goes on to, Paul says in Romans 4, 1, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham our father, forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It, was not, it wasn't the acts of faith prior that saved Abraham. It wasn't him um, leaving Ur. It wasn't him building altars. It wasn't him giving up the best land a lot. It wasn't rescuing Lot. It wasn't all these things. In fact, and it, wasn't even, it, it, it wasn't even what happened later because later God asked circumcision to be done so that for the, his, the children of Israel, so they would be a separate people. Um, later he calls for the Ten Commandments so if it was based on any of those things that's not possible because that wasn't even out yet so what makes Abram righteous or in right standing with God is the absolute belief in what God has said righteousness is not from how good someone is how many times they attend church or how many Bible studies you attend or how many old ladies that you help across the street Whatever it may be, these, this is not where righteousness comes from. Now, these might be things that are a sign or a fruit of righteousness in someone's life, but this is not where righteousness comes from. R.C. Sproul um, had a little saying when he was talking about the Reformation. Um, in, the, in the Roman Catholic view, it's faith plus works that gives justification. It's grace plus merit that gives justification. It's Christ plus me and my inherent righteousness that gives me justification. Now that's the Roman Catholic view, what he's saying. That's their formula in a nutshell. The reformers objected strenuously to this and said no. They cro works was crossed out by the reformers. Merit is crossed out. And the, my inherent righteousness is crossed out so that all you have is faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone. Some of you might say, well, that kind of sounds like Calvinism or that sounds like whatever. It's like, no, uh, that's scripture. You know, we appreciate all the interpretations of faithful pastors and preachers and theologians over time, but I'm not gonna give credit like to, of something like this to Calvin. This is, this is, all this goes to God because this is God's this is God's way this isn't Calvin's way yes Calvin you know says this but it's God's way so my point is is that let's make sure that we uh, focus on where this comes from um, and I'm not just picking on the Roman Catholic view with R.C. Sproul we all have added and try to add things to our justification so I want to ask us to purge our hearts of that. We move on to verses 7 through 21. Christ alone. And we're going to see Christ through this uh, passage here. Verses, verse 7, And God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He's basically, he's not, he's not uh, saying, God, I don't believe you. He's saying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. We've heard that before. Um, it's great to bring things to God. 
ask God things like that. Say, God, man, I, I believe you, but just help me where I don't. So he wants to hear from us, pray with him, talk to him, communicate with him. When we commune with God, he graciously reminds us of what he's done for us. Moving on to verse 9, it says, God said to Abram, Bring me a heifer three years old and a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And Abram brought God all these, cut them in half, and laid each, each half over against the other. But Abram did not cut the birds in half. Now, this was, what God was asking was nothing new to Abram. That's why there's no explanation of God doesn't have to say, Abram, okay, here's what we're going to do. He just says, bring some animals and chop them in half. And he knows, Abram knows that there's, this is, this is going to be a cover. There, this is a contract. This is a, this is a common way that kings, uh, kings and different parties would make, when they made a treaty or a contract with each other, that if it was something of greatness, um, they would, they would bring a donkey, they would bring an animal and cut it in half. They would um, separate it and the blood would run in between the halves that typically the, the higher king or the, the one in, that's, that's bringing the contract would be the one that would, he would state the contract what it is and then he would pass through. He would walk between the halves of the animal and then the lesser person, the person that was going to um, be agreeing to the contract, would walk through. And what this symbolized then is both, both of them, by doing this ceremony, was saying, if I don't uphold my part of the contract, if I don't uphold the contract where it involves me, then let me be as these animals. Let me be split in half. Um, so it, it, was a, it was a totally common thing for Abram he knew what was going on um, interesting thing though is is that God the animals that God asked him to bring are the same animals that is used that God instructs Moses in Leviticus to use for sacrifices and all the different sacrificial things which ultimately we know the Passover lamb with Egypt and we know then points to Christ so um that's that's an amazing thing there that with what's going on in verse 11 it says and when birds of prey came down on the carcasses abram drove them away now there are different views on the interpretation of this verse um some say it's a sign of the devil constantly attacking god's work uh, very possible um i don't want to say exactly I, I think there's probably multiple meanings to this so i'm just going to mention a few of them um one is possibly the different nations that will bring war upon the children of Israel in the upcoming years. Uh, one, uh, one is, is that while Abram waited on God, he was active in his waiting. Like when we're going through our life, we, we, should, uh, we should be defending the promises of God. We should be defending not, not because of ourselves, but because of, because of him, because of who he is. So those are just some of the possibilities. Verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. So, Abram was obviously very tired. Um, he'd been up all day. He had butchered a bunch of animals. 
by himself, split him in half, drug him around. So we're sure that he was physically tired. He was also, I'm sure he was emotionally tired because he knew that God was coming and God was going to offer this covenant, contract, treaty, is what was in Abram's mind. And he knew that, Abram knew that he was the one that was going to have to agree. God was going to designate what was going to happen. And so he knew, he knew of the times he had failed God. He knew of lying about his wife, Sarah. He knew about his fear. He knew all these things. So he was possibly very emotionally distraught because of the pressure of knowing that God's going to require something or ask of something, and I don't know if I can do this. So this great darkness, the deep sleep that fell on Abram, is also the same wording that's used when uh, God created Eve out of Adam, when he created a deep sleep to come over Adam. So um, it was also it was common for darkness to, show, to be where when God shows up. We see that at Mount Sinai when uh, he brought the Ten Commandments. Um, more importantly, we see that at the crucifixion. So it's a way that God, when God shows up. Verse 13, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. Know for certain. And will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nations that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So no doubt here God is referring to um, the upcoming time of the children of Israel when they'll go to Egypt and then be delivered from Egypt. Um, the Israelites will then come out of Egypt, they'll defeat the Amorites, meaning all the other ites and the Izites that we're gonna hear in just a few more verses. And they're gonna inhabit the land of Canaan. Um, one thing to remember that the reason why God made it this long was not because, just because he felt to do so for the children of Israel. It says it's, it's because of his long suffering and patience with the Amorites that were going to be defeated. So we need to remember that God is working in long-suffering with all people. We can't see the whole picture. Oftentimes our life focuses like the camera that I'm looking at. I wish I could see you guys' faces. But we can only see what we're focused on. When we focus close, everything out distant is blurry. But God saw this whole picture. He knew what had to happen. He knew where he would guide the children of Israel in order for the long-suffering of the Amorites. So how many times is that happening in our life that we think that life's just all about me? Um, so I don't have much time. I don't want to dwell there, but I just encourage you to just ponder, ponder these questions. Next verse, verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch between these pieces and if verse 6 is the most important uh, of the chapter this one is um, a, a very close a very close second because what happens here is um, 
God often appears as uh, in Scripture with smoke by smoke and fire. The great I am shows up to Moses that we'll find out uh, in the burning bush when he's told about uh, how to, to deliver the children out of Egypt. Uh, when the Ten Commandments were given on Mount Sinai, there was smoke and fire, just like we had heard about, or mentioned about the dark cloud. He led the children of Israel by a pillar of um, cloud by day and fire by night. Deuteronomy and Hebrews, God is described as a consuming fire. In Acts, the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples like tongues of fire. Jesus is described by John in Revelations 1, verse 14. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. So we know that this is God showing up. Abram knew it was God showing up. Um, and here's where it must have really amazed Abram. Because God tells him what's going to happen. And then God passes through. And he doesn't require Abram to pass through. He shows that this promise is not conditional to man. He shows Abram that no matter that in the next chapter you're going to you're going to take your maidservant because you don't think your wife is going to be have a son and and have a son on your own with her um, all the unbelief in abram's life all the unbelief in the children of israel's lives is not conditional to this covenant god passes through like smoke and fire So, what's this mean? This is all pointing toward the New Covenant, which is the New Testament time period. So that's where I started in the beginning, that this is no different. It's the same God. But his awesomeness is he knows when he's going through this with Abram that coming up in time, he's going to make this same thing happen. That God's saying, I'm going through here and I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the death that you deserve so that this promise can be upheld. That's what happens at Calvary with Jesus. God, God comes and intervenes. God comes and stands. Jesus stands in the place for us. And so, last verses, it says, On the day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river, <clears throat> of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of Kenites, the Kizites, the Cabanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and Rephim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So I'm sure I didn't say some of those, but we know that they're ites. And so, um, so that just continues to reaffirm Abram of what's going to happen. So 
as we wrap this up, I just want to ask a few questions. Um, who is your God? You might say, he's the same God of Abraham. Praise God. Let's look for all the other small gods, small G gods in our life because we all have them. Let's get rid of them. If you don't, if you don't know this God of Abraham, get to know him. It's the only place that you'll find reward. He's the only place that you'll find any meaning in life. So cry out to him. Cry out to him that his spirit will open your eyes. He so desires that. I ask another question. I promise we're about done. What is your fear? Is your fear COVID-19? Is your fear, I don't know uh, what's gonna happen tomorrow? Is your fear, I don't know if I'll have a job tomorrow? Is your fear, I don't know if I'll be able to have children? I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'll ever get married. All these things, they're all valid fears. I'm not discrediting, I'm not saying, no, you shouldn't have fear. I'm just saying, when fears show up, go to God. Go to someone that you know God is a part of their life. Because when we take our fears to God, He reassures us. He shows us just like in the beginning. He, we start seeing His promises. So, I'm not going to say, guys, don't fear. Because we're living and we're going to fear. We're going to fail, just like Abram. But just bring them to God. And lastly, what do you believe? Uh, I heard this by uh, this saying a long time ago, probably 10 years ago, and it's really stuck. It says, do you believe that what you believe is really real? So just what do you believe? Ask God to show you what you believe because oftentimes we say we believe one thing. This whole thing started with COVID and beginning. I was like, ah, I'm, I believe that God's got in control. And then the next day I'm kicking against God saying, man, I don't like this. I want my life back. And so I quickly went right back. I was saying I believed, but I wasn't living like I believed that he was in control. And I still wrestle with that every day. I know we do. Well, let's just bring them to God. So just ask yourself these questions. Ask them to other people. Most importantly, take your questions to God and he will comfort you. He will show you Christ. He will show you the covenant that he made with you, that it's not any works that you do. When we have a relationship with him, there will be works and fruit that shows from that, but that is not where our salvation comes from. So I'm going to wrap it up with that, guys. Um, 
I love you guys. I wish I could see you. All I see now is this camera lens, and uh, but I know who's on the other end, so really love you guys. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll. Uh, I just got one verse that I'll share after that. Father God, thank you so much for this time that we can see you more clearly. Father, just help us that we would live, um, live out this week in a new way. And Father, um, comfort our fears, unveil every aspect of our lives, all the fear, all the unbelief. Help us to believe, truly, truly, truly believe that you are our exceedingly great reward. Help us not to search for rewards in any other place but in you. We love you and ask this in Christ's name. Amen.